over these few weeks, I've been exploring what it looks like to be spirit-led. And uh, we, we're trying to wrestle with the questions of, am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? And that could be in our spiritual relationship, could be in our workplace, or could be just our relationships that we have. And I know these are big questions, and, and we really don't want you to get caught up and, and stressed out by these questions, because they can be quite unsettling. And we looked at, over the last couple of weeks, we looked at the nation of Israel, we looked at how they followed the cloud. Uh, and then last week we looked at Elijah's story of obedience, uh, obeying God, and then things didn't work out the way he expected, and, and the brook dried up. And so it's good to know that, that I'm going to tell you, God has your next step already worked out. So don't, you don't need to worry about step two or three or four, what's it going to look like in one year, two years, whether it's our students and your studying and your subjects, or as we get older and careers and workplaces or, or relationships. God got all that worked out. God is in front of you. How good is that? He's actually in front. And so if you're making decisions and seeking and trying to figure things out, I would encourage you to go to God because he has got what you need. He's got wisdom. He's got, he's, he is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. And so uh, that's what we've been looking at is, is being led by the Spirit. And, uh, and so in both those situations for the nation of Israel or for Elijah, uh, my prayer has been that, that you would find God in the midst of the transitions of life. And that if you're not at one of those transition points, that you would remain faithful and committed and enjoy all God has for you in the space that he has you in. And so the verse we're anchoring our messages on is in Proverbs chapter 16, where it says, in, a, in his heart, a man plans his way or plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So we're exploring how we make plans, but all of a sudden God comes in and wants to come in and determine the steps that we take. Now, I'm sure we all love it when God directs our steps and leads us beside still waters. We love that, don't we? When he, he leads in, when, he, when he leads us beside green pastures, when God leads us to place of provision and rest and abundance. So we, we love those times. In fact, Psalm 23 is all about that. The Lord is my shepherd. You know this psalm. It leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We, we love the front half of that psalm, and we tend to focus on the front half of that psalm, which is all about the rest and the provision that we find in Jesus, about, about his goodness and mercy following us all the days in, of our life. And we love that we would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so, um, But I don't want you to forget that in that psalm, that God also leads us. The same shepherd that leads us to, to green pastures and besides still waters, the same shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. The same, the same shepherd prepares a table for us in the presence of our friends. No, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemy. And so this morning I want to talk a little bit about that part. I want to, I want to talk about what happens when he leads us into some uncomfortable places into spaces where we might feel opposition against us, places of testing. Because you think, surely our shepherd wouldn't lead us to those places. And I want you to hold that thought. I want to get back to that thought. So, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 3. Let's start there, verse 21. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. One day when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove 
And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Now this is much better than talking about the valley of the shadow of death, isn't it? Let's talk about this one. What do you reckon? How about we do both? Okay, so this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know that because it's Luke chapter 3. It's not Luke chapter 20. So it's the beginning. And so this is an amazing story of the events that occurred. And the setting, obviously, Jesus is setting an example for us in baptism to, to, be, to follow him. And when he comes up out of the water, the heavens open. Uh, and then we, dis we discover what script Luke particularly says, that the Holy Spirit manifests himself in a bodily form. He, 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 he's physically present, and like, like a dove, and the dove comes to rest on Jesus. And that's, I'm, I'm, this is just what the scripture says. That, that's, my, that's my reading of that, is the Holy Spirit and bodily form. In fact, that's what the Bible says. And so, and if those two things weren't enough, could you imagine that? Could you imagine heaven opening? And could you imagine the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in a very real form? On top of all that, then the voice comes from heaven. And the voice, yeah, it's actually an audible voice. Uh, and here the, the Father declares three powerful truths. He says regarding his son, he, well, he goes, You are my son, you are dearly loved, and you bring me great joy. I often talk about this particular passage when, when we do baptisms at church camp. That's particularly where we do them. But we talk about when we follow in obedience to God, I found that, that God speaks, particularly through baptism. I, I encourage those being baptized to expect to feel and understand. You may hear, hear the audible voice of God. You, 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 not many people have. But you will know as you, as you follow in obedience, you will know that you are God's child you know that you are dearly and unconditionally loved. And I tell you what, you will, I want you to know that, that you bring God great joy. You might be here thinking, oh man, I, how, can I, I think how can God be pleased with me? How can, how can I bring great joy to God? And as a child of God, you bring him great joy. He loves you and, and, and you are his child. And so that's what's declared from heaven. Jesus' identity was established. You're my son, you're dearly loved, and you bring me great joy. And there's been times in my life where I've heard God declare those things over my life. And I don't, I, you know, we don't need to wait till these significant events. As we worship, and I appreciate uh, uh, Jeremy and, and Cesar's encouragement and, and Michael's encouragement, that we can actually experience and press deeper and, and draw closer to God. And the songs we sing aren't just songs we sing. They're an opportunity for us to connect to God through his Holy Spirit and experience his declaration over our life. And so in this passage here, we find a biblical manifestation of the Trinity. So, so as, as, for, as theologians over church history, they're trying to wrestle with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is where one of the key anchor points are for the theological position. We find both the, all three. The, the Father is physically manifesting in, in his voice. Uh, the Holy Spirit is in, present in the form of a dove, and Jesus is there. And so it's a, a, it's a, a, the Trinity was there. And, so, and in that moment, we discover Jesus' identity has been declared. And also, this is the moment <coughs> where Jesus is empowered for his ministry. So you'd think, after God's declared 
who he is and how, how, how much he's loved and the Holy Spirit comes and, and rests on him and empowers him for ministry, you'd think then Jesus would come out of the water and you'd think that God would lead him, the Holy Spirit would lead him into places where his power could be shown. You'd think that the Holy Spirit would then, out of the Jordan, would then take Jesus into the, into the streets of Jerusalem, into the leper colonies, into where he could bring his message of good. That's what you'd think. You think the Holy Spirit, once Jesus has been, after God says, you know what, you are amazing and you're mine and I love you, you think that God would lead him to places of ministry and to, to release captives and to open blind eyes to set the oppressed free. That's where the Holy Spirit would lead him. That's, what, that's why he came. But I want us to look at where the Holy Spirit did lead Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I've skipped the rest of Luke chapter 3 only because it's all genealogies. So, so in sequence... We go to verse chapter 4, verse 1. And then Jesus, this is, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Just note that thought that once he was baptized and the Holy Spirit rested on him, the Bible tells us that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he returned from the Jordan River, where he was baptized, and he was led by the Spirit where? What's going to happen there? To be tempted? Your translation may say, tested by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now, this is not where we expect the Holy Spirit to lead Jesus. Why the wilderness? Well, what about the crowds? Surely that's the place the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus, to the crowds or to the temple or to the sick, the needy. Surely the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus to, to help the poor or to get beside the lonely or the weak. Surely the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus to, to make a difference in the world to fulfill his task. And as I've shared many times, God has a will and God has a way. And God has a plan and God has a path. And as I've established over the last few weeks, it doesn't, God's way and God's plan doesn't always make sense to us. You know, certainly as, you're, as, we, as you grow older in life, and if, you were to, if, if I was back to speak to my younger self, I know you're thinking, well, Mark, you are speaking to your younger self because you're young. Well, some of you are thinking that. Um, you guys aren't. But, um, but you know what? Life is, there's a whole journey ahead of you that, that you may know, but my Bible tells me that every day of your life is written in God's book. My Bible tells me that the steps of a good man or woman is ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way. And so, as I said before, there's no right or wrong decisions in God. If you're prayerfully seeking him, that, that he will be with you wherever you go. And so, so we find that Jesus, where am I up to him? God has a will and a way. And there's times I believe that God, part of God's way, sometimes takes us into the wilderness. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us into the desert. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us into a place of testing, and I'll get back to that. And I believe this happens for a very important reason, not because God wants to make things hard or difficult for you. No way. Not because God wants to punish you or teach you a lesson. No way. Not because God wants to make you suffer and struggle. No way. That is not the heart or the nature of a good father. But as we look at journeys, uh, Jesus' journey into the wilderness, perhaps just this morning we can discover how God uses these times to do something inside our hearts and something inside our minds. Let's, let's have a look, little bit of a look in this space. So Luke chapter 4, verse 1. We touched on this before, that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. 
He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then let's begin to look forward, so look forward just for a second. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. He went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because he did anything wrong or because he, he needed more stuff. He went into the, Holy Spirit, in the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit. And I love verse 14, that he returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. There's a very subtle change of words that Luke uses in writing this gospel about, about being led by the Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit, and then, but then coming out of a wilderness, coming out of an experience filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Very deliberate choice of words. You may be looking at your life and wondering, where is, where can I see the, why can't I see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life? And I think there's, there's some keys that we will learn today that you may answer that question, why, aren't you, why can't you experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Perhaps the keys for that question will be found in the wilderness. Perhaps it's in the wilderness that you may discover the source of Jesus' power. And I really believe that you are, if you are in the wilderness today, I really believe that you can come out of that wilderness. You can come out of this place of testing. You can come out and you will come out of it, but I believe you can come out of it filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's my, that's my heart for this message this morning. You would find what God has for you in this space. You know, we, um, when our kids were younger, we used to do Easter egg, egg hunts. We still do it. And we... Um, we, we, we write clues and we hide Easter eggs all around our property, uh, our house, and, and, and we don't hide the Easter eggs to keep them from our kids. We, we actually hide the Easter eggs in order for them to enjoy finding them. And I believe sometimes God places things in the most unlikely places, not, not, not to hide them from us. I mean, their kids love Easter eggs. So God doesn't hide the good things from us to keep them from us and withhold them for us, but often he places them in, in sometimes difficult places, sometimes in the wilderness, because there's, there's something that happens in us as we go seeking God's goodness, even in these difficult places. And, then, and so they're hidden not from us, but they're hidden for us. And so I want to talk about tests, COVID tests. Our Victorian uh, couple that are here today, uh, they... They, 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 they passed the New South Wales entry test. And um, who likes, who's, had, who's had a COVID test here? Isn't that a hoot? <laughs> They're not so bad now, but back in the day, anyone used to watch Welcome Back Cotter? It's like up your nose with a rubber hose. That's what, that's what a COVID test is like. It's just, back there, now it's a bit less. Um, that's a, that's a, you guys are never going to watch that show, I'm sure. I'm probably not on TV anywhere. Um, anyway, we don't like, don't like COVID tests. Anyone like them? No, I wouldn't think so. Um, but then, so our life is full of tests. We can't get away from them. Driving tests. Um, medical tests, Richard. How are they? Tough. <laughs> Exams. Um, you, you, you'd hope that the pilots that fly you have passed their tests, don't you? for competence. You'd hope the hairdressers that you go to pass their tests, wouldn't you, Tony? You'd hope they'd pass their tests. Uh, this, I know you all are wondering, Mark, you've had a haircut this week. I'm glad you noticed. Um, <laughs> and part of that was, because it was free, 
Um, but I went because there was a hairdresser's learning to, to, an apprentice did my hair. And now you think, ah, that explains a lot. Um, <laughs> but they had to pass a test. They had, they had to figure out what they're doing and learn. And I'm willing for my head to be their, uh, their crash test dummy if need be. Um, I was hoping it wasn't, but um, it came up all right. Um, so I think. Um, so, so these competent tests aren't designed to, then, you know, if you don't pass your pilot test or your driving test, the goal, they're not doing a test to, to keep you out of the car. Maybe when you get older, some of the tests are to sort of tell you you're not able to drive anymore. Uh, but you want those tests. I, I want the pilots to do their test. I, I want the driving instructors to actually help us in our test because their goal is to make sure that you're ready and equipped for, for driving by yourself in, in the world that we live in. Um, and so you, don't yeah, you, you might fail your P-plate your test, but it's not failure. It's actually letting you know that you're not there yet. Um, and so m m other tests we face... Uh, are generally knowledge tests, maths tests, with the exception of Ian and maybe Heath. Who likes maths tests? And all those people. <laughs> um, science tests, English tests. We get a whole heap of tests in life that are, are testing us on knowledge. And the purpose of those tests are not to make your life difficult, are they, Ian? The, the, the purpose of the test that your teachers uh, may, may give you is not to make your life difficult. It's not, to make, it's not for you to, to figure out if you pass or fail, if you're good enough. If they're, they're not the purpose. and They're not going to write you a test on calculus to see if you're good enough. That's not the purpose of the tests. These tests simply reveal what we know. What we know about trigonometry, what we know about grammar, what we know about uh, music or computers, these tests reveal to us. When we undergo those tests, we discover, I knew that, or I didn't know that, or I didn't grasp it, or I haven't understood that. And, and so the tests then reveal what we know, or it reveals to us how much we, 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 we haven't applied what we know. And so when we go through those tests, and there, your whole life is full of those tests. It's not a matter of passing and failing. It's actually the value is that you actually discover, I knew that, or I didn't know that, and I need to work at that. It's not a failure. And so you know, the, the Bible makes it very clear that our Christian life is a journey, and that journey takes us through times of testing and trial. We, can, we can't get away from those scriptures. We and the story of Jesus shows us that sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us into these places. And what I've found is sometimes when God directs me into these places, number one, it's good to know that he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. No matter what you're going through now, whatever your spiritual life, whatever intersectional journey you've gone on, let me assure you that Jesus is with you right now. That, that whatever test or trial or difficulty you're facing, he is with you right now and you will find what you need in him to come through the, maybe the valley of the shadow of death or despair. <coughs> so the Bible makes it very clear that it is a journey. And it's good to know in the fire or the flood, in the trial or even in the wilderness that he is there. And the times of testing and trial, in the same way when we go through those things, we discover what we know about God, 
What we know about his nature or what we don't know. When we, because tests only reveal what we know. And so when you go through, when we go through those places, we discover, hang on a sec, I didn't know that about God. Or I didn't know that about myself. Or I haven't grasped this truth about God. And it's only the test that's going to reveal that to you. And it's not a pass or fail situation. We discover that, that maybe there's some things we haven't understood about God's character or God's nature or, about our, or God's plan for our life. And sometimes that revelation can only come through tests, not because he's trying to fail you. It's not because he's trying to tell you you're not good enough. No, no, no. He is there wondering. And you look through the scriptures in the Bible, the questions that God asks are never for his benefit. It's never like a teacher wondering, are you good enough? Or No, it, he's asking you questions because he wants you to know, are you there? Where are you at? Have you grasped all that I am? Have you understood my nature? Have you understood who I've called you to be? And we see that thing at work in this very story with Jesus. So Jesus wasn't tested so the Father could say, well, are you good enough? Not at all. I believe Jesus, the, the test that Jesus went through, already, Jesus, Jesus already knew that the, he was loved by the Father, accepted by the Father. Jesus already knew he was full of the Holy Spirit, and so what we discover, and Jesus knew that uh, his father was pleased with him. And so as we look at the test that Jesus went through, can, can you remember what God said when Jesus was baptised? Do you remember those things? You are my son, you are dearly loved, and you, and you give me great pleasure. Now, I, wanna, in the I don't want to talk about the, the three different tests that Jesus went through in the wilderness. We can talk about that another day. That's, that's not the purpose of what I feel God's asking me to talk about this morning. Um, but two out of those three tests. So Jesus had three tests. The enemy tested Jesus three times. And two of them were designed by the enemy to make Jesus question what God had already said about him. Luke chapter 4. Here's the two verses. The first one is the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Then there was another test, but I'll skip that one. But in verse 9, then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point in the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. Here we see God had already declared Jesus to be the son, his son. God had already said, you are my son. And what I discover in the wilderness, that God tests the very things God has said over us. Sorry, the enemy tests the very things that God has declared over us. It's in the wilderness we find we wrestle, but God says this about me, but, but hang on, my circumstance or the lies of the enemy, the whispers of the enemy, has me question the very thing that God said. And so this is what's happening to Jesus right now. And each time Jesus responded and he defeated the enemy by, by his understanding of the word of God, so Jesus would, would quote back to the devil uh, scripture and declaring God's truth when the enemy comes against him. And I've heard numerous sermons on this passage, <coughs> as I'm sure many of you had. And all of them tell us that we can overcome the tests of the enemy in the wilderness through the power of the Spirit using and standing on God's word. And I believe that. I believe that's why we encourage you, don't just read your Bible because, well, it's the thing Christians need to do. We encourage you to read the Bible. Why? Because then it becomes part of your heart. Then the truth of God's word transforms you. And then when the enemy comes and he whispers and challenges what God says, you can respond like Jesus did, not out of, well, I think I'm, I think I'm God's son. No, you, you understand it because God's word says it. So the, 
um, so the point of this message isn't about those three temptations, rather the nature of the test, because I believe the enemy wants to challenge our identity. He wants to, hey, God has said this, but really? Do you really think God said that? And so this strategy is not new to the devil. In fact, it goes way back to Genesis uh, chapter 3, when, when the devil says, did God really say you can't eat the fruit? Can you see the enemy is questioning, always calling into question God's word. The enemy always calls into question God's truth. The enemy always calls into question the nature and the character of God, that he's trying to withhold something for you or he's, or, or he's trying to make things life difficult for you. That's always the strategy of the enemy. It was in the garden, it was in the wilderness, and it still is today. And so, so in the wilderness, God is saying, if you are God's son. So the question is, well, <coughs> oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe God's not pleased with me. Or maybe I'm not dearly loved. Maybe, maybe, and the enemy says, maybe all the lies of the enemy, all the whispers of the enemy that makes you challenge God's goodness, God's nature, and God's love for you. And I think these are really powerful lies. that They're so easy to listen to. The voice of the enemy is so easy to listen to. And uh, before we know it, if we're, not, if, we're not un, if we're not coming, if we're not capturing those thoughts and replacing the lies of the enemy with the truth of what God says, we can find ourselves believing that whisper. Because, you know, if you were really a child of God, you wouldn't think those thoughts. If you were really a child of God, you wouldn't watch those movies or go to those YouTube channels or websites or read those books or do those things or say those things. If you're really a child of God, you wouldn't be stuck out here in the wilderness all by yourself. These are the lies that come at us. If you are really a child of God, he wouldn't lead you out to the wilderness and leave you alone to defend yourself. And we can so easily, when we, when we start to struggle and, and maybe some of those things start to come into our, our, the way we outwork our life, the enemy challenges our identity. And we start to believe them as, oh man, I'm not a child of God. And these lies get into our heart and we forget what God has said. And I've, I've been there. I've, I've, I've heard the lies. I've listened to the lies. And the devil doesn't stop talking. You know, sometimes in your family or in your class, there's that one that just doesn't stop talking. Hands up if you've got one of those. Hands up if the person next to that. Enter that. <laughs> you've got two, have you, Michael? <laughs> but we so easily listen to the enemy. And it's so, easy to look at, it's so easy to look at our circumstances and question why God has brought me here or who is God or why would he do that? And instead of returning from the wilderness full of confidence and power and, and filled with the Holy Spirit's power, we return from the wilderness defeated, discouraged and feeling powerless. So we have a choice. We, the, the wilderness is a time of testing, of revealing what do we actually discover. And, and there, there's a choice we've got to make because often we'll discover, I believe the wrong things. I've, I've listened to the enemy and I'm, I'm questioning who I am. And I really believe this is one of the most significant tests you will face in your Christian journey. It is the test of identity and worth. So, so why did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? I, because it's, I believe because in the wilderness, the enemy would discover who, really, who Jesus really was. I believe that the, here we discover the enemy tried every trick in his book to distract Jesus from his assignment. 
But Jesus couldn't be shaken. He's, he understood his identity as the Son of God. And no matter what the enemy did or said, Jesus stood firm in understanding who he was and who the Father was. His security, I believe his security was his found, the foundation for him to, to come out of the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit's power because he was secure in who he was. I, I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we, we struggle to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because we are so unsettled in who we are. We're so unsettled by who God is and, we, and, we, and we're so unsettled by our worth or our value. And so when God wants to fill us and use us to touch others, we're going, nah, God wouldn't use this. He, uh, he wouldn't use me for that. And I think at that point, we, that, that's when we return either filled with faith and power or it's times when we come back full of despair. And so I think God leads us through these times of testing. I think God does lead us through these dark valleys. I think God does take us into times in the wilderness. And you might be thinking, well, can't we just have those green pastures? Can't we just have those quiet streams? And it's important to realize he just, doesn't, he just doesn't take us to the wilderness and leave us there, but he's with us. And no matter where you are, you're perfectly safe because his rod and his staff, his very presence will comfort us and lead us through maybe the wilderness or the dark valley. We can be assured that you are safe in those places. But the choice we have is to trust what God says or not. Jesus had that. When the enemy tested him, he had a choice of believing what the Father had already declared or what the enemy was trying to declare over him. To believe and trust what God says about us and what, God plans, what plans God has for us. And I believe even today we have a choice to listen to God or listen to the enemy. And I think this is really important because it was the foundation for Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus was fully confident in who he was. And I, 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 I long for the day when all of us, including me, can be fully confident of who I am and who God's called me to be. I think if we can, if we can get, uh, there's no pass or fail in that one. I think it's a journey where we learn, but I really believe that as we, as we take hold of all, of God says, all that God said and all that God wants to do, I think that's when we can return full of the Spirit's power. And at that point, Jesus began his ministry. He began to uh, to. to, to, to transform the world he lived in <coughs> and so if you are in the wilderness today I want, I want you to take courage perhaps perhaps this is the place that God has brought you perhaps perhaps if you're facing trials and testing I want you to be encouraged because Jesus has been there Hebrews 2 verse 18 tells us that since he himself has gone through suffering and testing he is able to help us when we are being tested. Not only has Jesus been there, he's with you right now and right here. He wants you to know that you're not alone. Jesus was not defeated by the lies of the enemy. I might get that worship team up, please. Thanks, Jez. He was not defeated by the lies of the enemy. Even when the enemy attacked the very things that were God said about him. Jesus understood that he was a child of God. Jesus understood that he was dearly loved. And Jesus understood that he brought great joy to the Father. And for Jesus, that's all he needed to accomplish all that he did. And I believe the very same thing for us. 
Jesus stood on two unshakable realities. He stood on the unshakable reality of the power of God's declared word, the power of God's word, and the, the anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit to help him stand on that word in the difficult times. So for us today, they're the two unshakable realities of our life, and, and it's our, our identity and our understanding that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. And the Holy Spirit may lead us to places that don't make sense to you, that are, that are hard and difficult. The Holy Spirit may lead you to places in the wilderness, but if you're there, that's, I want to encourage you, that's a great thing. Because it's there that you will discover not more, more yeah, you, you might be surprised what you discover about yourself, but you may be surprised at what you discover about the goodness of God, about the greatness of God. And perhaps it's in this wilderness time where God wants to transform your, your mind and your heart and you will discover in a greater way and you will, you will walk out of the wilderness filled with the Spirit's power. That today that you can walk out of the wilderness, you can walk out of this dry, difficult place. You can walk out of this place understanding in a greater way of who he is and how good he is.